go. This week, Gone with the Bushes takes you to Colorado. Nineteen eighty film, The Shining. Two hours, 23 minutes, and 38 seconds worth of The Shining. Well, it's a Stanley Kubrick film. Did he make any short films? I don't know, but this was not one. No, it's not. But I feel like that's one of the, like, there. we'll get into it later. Particulars, please. All the particulars. The Shining, 1980, produced and directed by Stanley Kubrick. I think this is the first Stanley Kubrick film we've done. I think it is. Yes. This guy. There be a reason for that. Well, <laughs> sadly, I'm picking more. Oh, that's fine. He is one of, he's one of the luminaries. He's a Kubrick, Spielberg. Um, why does my favorite director evade me right now? Wes Anderson. Uh, yeah, Wes Anderson. Billy Wilder. Ah. Uh, He's up there. He is, okay. he is renowned. Um, he is. Um, so he also did Spartacus, Lolita, Dr. Strangelove, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Barry Lyndon, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, that was a weird one, too. A Clockwork Orange. Whee! So We're going to do that one sometime. Oh. I have not seen that since I saw it in the theater, and, and I'm still creeped out. You saw it in the theater? I did. I feel like this was one of these the films, much like the first time I guess I saw The Shining, but I really didn't because I fell asleep. I'm pretty sure I fell asleep watching A Clockwork Orange. Mm, I didn't dare fall asleep. (laughs) It was written... What? Back to the particulars. It was written by Stanley Kubrick and Diane Johnson, who is a novelist and an essayist. Um, She also wrote the book Le Divorce, which was made into a movie, I think, with Kate Hudson, but I could be remembering that wrong. It's question. Mm-hmm. It was also it was the the screenplay was written by them, but it was taken. The idea was taken from a Stephen King novel. Am I wrong? Well, yeah, I'm getting to that. It was. Oh, sorry. Based on The Shining by Stephen King, published in 1977. It was his third published novel and his first hardback bestseller. The director of photography was John Alcott. He also was the DP on 2001 A Space Odyssey and A Clockwork Orange. It was edited by Ray Lovejoy, who did 2001. He also did Aliens. He did the Tim Burton Batman movie. He did Inventing the Abbots and Lost in Space, amongst many other movies. But I'm just like, wow, he did Batman too. This guy is good. This movie, he, the editor, he did a lot of heavy lifting. The DP did a, high, a lot of heavy lifting. But as far as I'm concerned, the people who like the true MVPs of this film, 
that did a lot of the heavy lifting to make this super creepy. The music. Oh, the music. The music <laughs> is so fucking creepy. It really is. I it starts like, from the beginning creepy. Oh, my. The... Well, okay, we'll get into that later. But the music is done by Wendy Carlos. She also did A Clockwork Orange. um, And she did 1982's Disney film Tron. She is known for um, her electronic music. Her big thing was 1968's Switched On Bach. Um, She was one of the first people to use the Moog, the M-O-O-G. How do you say that? Oh, your puppy knows about the Moog. Yeah, that synthesizer. And interestingly enough, she is one of the first public figures to discuss having gender reassignment surgery. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That took courage. I know. Which, just a little sidebar. I'm all for, like, gender reassignment surgery. But just so, like, everyone knows in the future, people are just going to go back to calling it a sex change. Because they're like, oh, yes, I had gender reassignment surgery. It's not like I'm we're saying it now because we want to be sensitive and inclusive to everyone. But just know that in the future, people will be like, I had a sex change just because it's faster. And it's not going to have because we went through the whole being sensitive thing. People are eventually going to get comfortable with going back to saying something that's shorter because it's going to reclaim its meaning. That's just my prediction. I hope that it's because, you know, we have grown instead of going backwards as we have for so many things. I think eventually it's because it's just going to become like, you know, cause just because it's faster and not because okay. it's it's like I agree. down I agree. And people will be like, yeah, that is a mouthful to say. I have to say, you know, the people who go through it, they, they think of me. I have to say all of these words every time I say it. And they're just eventually gonna be like, yeah, I had a, I had a sex change. Yeah, shorthand. Mm-hmm. Because that's you changed sex. That's exactly what you did. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but for now, it's gender or reassignment a, a gender surgery. change. Maybe, maybe it can be a gender change. Maybe it'll just be like I had a jicha. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. gonna be the slang, a jicha. There you go, jicha. A jicha. Do you have a jicha? Yeah, I had a jicha. Jicha. You're welcome, society. Um, and Rachel Elkine, she produced a lot of Wendy Carlos's work. So the okay. film stars. I think this is the first time they that um, we've done a Jack Nicholson joint. It is Jack Nicholson. He was forty three at the time of this. He was also in Little Shop of Horrors, Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, Chinatown, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Terms of Endearment, Batman, A Few Good Men, As Good As It Gets, About Schmidt, lots of other movies. Many. Many, many other movies, and known to be sitting courtside with sunglasses on at the Staples Center. True. With those eyebrows. Yeah. Hey. Those are some eyebrows. Those eyebrows paid for his life. Yeah. It also Those eyebrows are the reason he was too freaky to play the husband in Rosemary's Baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And his grin, his eyes and his grin and stuff. He's just very 
It's interesting because I don't think of him as... Well, I'm going to go through the particulars. I'll come back to that. That was a cliffhanger for everyone listening. Mm -hmm. They're like, what's she going to say? Oh, gotcha. Now you're stuck listening. (laughs) Also, Shelly Duvall. She's in Nashville. Annie Hall. Popeye. Suburban Commando. Um, When I saw her... Because I'm not like super familiar with the Popeye live action film. I know that Robin Williams is in it. But as soon as I saw her face, I was like, that woman is olive oil. Olive oil. Living and breathing olive oil. Olive oil. Uh, Yeah. And Shelley Duvall. Well, we'll get back to that. Um, Scatman Crothers. Mm -hmm. That was a nice surprise. Yes. He was also Louis the Garbage Man in Chico and the Man, which... I was going to ask you um, if that meant that he was the man in Chico and the Man. I don't think so. Oh. I don't really remember. Uh, Freddie Prince was in that, right? Yes. He, so he That's was all I in, remember. But I guess he was a, a different character in it. I thought that Chico and the Man, I was like, ah, Ma will know about Chico and the Man. I felt like yeah. that was something you watched. Um, I watched it some, but uh, so maybe he was the man. I don't know. He wasn't the man. They were garbage collectors. Yeah, he was one of the garbage collectors, but he wasn't the man. Okay. Um, actually, I don't know if they were garbage collectors. They were something. Porgy and Bess, the elusive Porgy and Bess that I guess we will never be able to see. It's been taken out of circulation, people. Lady Sings the Blues, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Silver Streak. He had a wide-ranging career. And Little Danny Lloyd. Little Danny Lloyd. He had one other role. He played like a, in a television movie, Young G. Yeah. Gordon Liddy. And then he basically said, I'm out. I'm just going to be a normal person. Well, he said he couldn't get any role. Really? Because I thought yeah. he was fantastic. He was so fantastic that in my notes I wrote, is he effed up today? Because, but we have trivia about that. We, we, so have, we, we have trivia about that. So those are the particulars. So what happened in The Shining? Well, I'm going to do a quick overview. Okay. Maybe. So the main idea is there is this huge lodge like a really nice lodge hotel in the mountains. Um, and it's, it's way up in the country, really secluded. And their months are May to October. Yes. And then November until April, they're not open because of the heavy snow. When they were first, um, when it was first built, they, they didn't even think of having it open for ski season. Because the road getting up there, it's just too hard to get to. It's a one, it's a two lane road. And to keep that clear for um, the winter sports just wasn't fiscally responsible. So So they needed a caretaker in the winter months. So they are interviewing Jack Nicholson to be that caretaker. And he has a wife and he has a young son who's about five years old. 
And in the interview, they're saying, you know, it's 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 pretty it's it's not that easy it, because of the seclusion and, and the isolation. And that can that can mess with some people's heads. And he's like, oh, no, this is what I need. I I was a school teacher and I'm, I'm trying to write my my great novel. And so what I need is isolation and seclusion and. And really, as the movie's going on, Shelley Duvall is the mom. If you have to be stuck in um, a secluded place as a five-year-old, she was a great mom. Great play date. <laughs> I mean, she played with him all the time. <laughs> yes, she, she did. I never thought about that. Of like, I did. Because I thought if that were my mom, me and I'd, I'd have to make up my own games a lot. He, ha- but okay, so he he gets the job, and um, they bring the well. The also, also, um, it is conveyed to him like you know you're going to be responsible for all of the upkeep and stuff because the weather up there is a bitch. Um, but the physical labor isn't like you were saying; it's all mental. It's just going to like wear down on you. Um, also, just yeah, so might you be a know, few you ne- might need to know. Oh, uh, we had a caretaker came in, highly recommended. Um, and well, he got what the old timers call cabin fever, and one day he just killed his wife and two young daughters with an axe, and then put a sh- swallow the shotgun. So and that was like 1970. That had only been 10 years. Yeah, that like it's not back in the 1800s or something. This happened 10 years ago. Yeah, they just I didn't realize that it was 10 years ago because that's that's just how fast this guy just wants to get that out there. Yeah. Oh, by the way. Oh, and another by the way, there was there was there was something else that happened in its past. Oh, there's like a lot that happened in his past because while, oh no, well, so then like that's conveyed. There's like, okay, yeah, don't, no problem. We're still going to do it. So then the family comes up and while the family's up, before the family's gone, we already, that's when we meet the little boy and Danny. yeah, Danny and his mom and Danny has this weird thing. He has a friend, Tony. Who, uh, an imaginary friend. Many children have an imaginary friend. Tony that lives in his mouth, and and he does the voice and stuff. And, and it, it's you know Tony's around because his pointer finger is up, as as the voice of Tony. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, I like I'm gonna say that this isn't normal because I know that this is a Stephen King film. And that this movie is creepy as fuck because we didn't even get in like the, the beginning how they set the whole tone. But I guess we're in the the synopsis part, right? Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to lay down the ground. So work. we know that Danny is like has this imaginary toy and he like sees weird shit. He has he's had episodes. His mom's been so concerned that she talked to the doctor about it the doctor said it's no problem so they're in the car the whole family's headed up there and they get the they get the whole walk around tour and stuff and so um what's his face jack because he's the man is being shown all of the you know upkeep that he has to do and shelly duvall who is wendy in this wendy and danny they get taken 
to the kitchen by the chef and the chef is um scat man right and um and evidently after danny has an episode where um tony talks to him in his mouth but he has episodes where he has visions but then he doesn't remember what he saw but he gets a little catatonic after those so that's why uh the mom got the doctor involved and the doctor said there's nothing wrong with him physically oh yeah and and that was like oh that's such a relief yeah he's not like having epilepsy seizures but something is weird and there's nothing wrong physically so did the doctor was the doctor like Yo, your son is nuts. Or was the doctor? No, she like, was saying oh. she was saying it probably won't happen again. Young kids, th- this will happen to you know frequently one episode, and it probably won't ever happen again. I'm not at all concerned. If it does happen again, you might want to get in touch with a neurologist and find out you know just what's going on. Oh. But prior to that, Tony does not appear to want to make the move. Yeah. Now, Danny, he's a cute little kid. Got great hair. He's, he's got great hair. Um, but, yeah, he does a lot of staring. Okay, so they're going to take the place. We don't know if Jack ever told Wendy about the man murdering his family. Jack never told Wendy. Are you kidding me? Like, those two have great communication. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, um, when the doctor is there, she does mention that one time, the when Tony first appeared was after Danny's collarbone got broken. Mm-hmm. And it was because Dad had been um, out drinking, and he came home, and, and his papers were scattered all over. And he just grabbed Danny to get him away from the papers, but didn't realize his own strength and it kind of broke Danny's collarbone. Um, But that day he promised he would never drink again and he hasn't for five months. So five months you're going to put him up there in seclusion. Yeah, I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, uh, he, he should not have grabbed his son. But I mean, Danny did. I bet Danny's not going to leave those papers around anymore. Am I right? Ooh, hot, hot mic. That's a hot So cake. on, in the car on the way up, um, they're t- they start talking about the Donner Party. Now, Ooh. the Donner Party was a um, an airplane that crashed. Oh. Was it an airplane? <laughs> no, it wasn't an airplane. No, they were like cover wagons and stuff. Oh, yes, 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 yes. They were part of the original <laughs> white flight. <laughs> They're like, man, yes. we got to get out of here. We got to go west. And they got caught in the storm and they resorted to cannibalism. Yeah, they had to survive. They're telling this in front of the five-year-old boy. Well, and the they, five-year-old boy goes, oh, don't worry. I know what cannibalism is. Yeah, he saw it on television. So would I have known, uh, like, you're going to have to fill us in on what it was like, 1980 was like. I'm like, damn, cannibalism's on TV? I guess so. After the crazy 70s and Watergate, it was a whole new country. 
Well, evidently they let him watch whatever he wants. Um, but but when during the tour, the guy did show Jack the ballroom and the bar and all the alcohol was gone. So yeah. it wasn't like alcohol was going to be a problem. Whew. And I'm there still no like, alcohol. you've been on the wagon for five months and you've decided to take your family up to a secluded cabin where they will be just locked away for the entire winter. Just the three of them. Just the three of you. Just the three of them. That oh, and by the like way, this this huge lodge was apparently built on an Indian burial ground. Oh yeah, they slide that right in there. Yeah, we have a dude murdered his his two daughters and wife with an axe, cut them up into pieces, stacked them neatly, took himself out, and then you have oh, he's also buried on an Indian burial ground. Believe guys, um, and. Yeah, we had to hear about it because the nerve of some people to try to boycott and shut this down. Right. So you're like, oh, hey. So, um, so, so they meet Scatman. Scatman is the chef, and he is closing up everything for the winter. And he's showing them the walk-in freezer, which well, has showing, all the food they could possibly need. He's not showing all of them. He's showing Wendy because she's the woman. Oh, yeah. And, um, but, but Danny, oh yeah, Danny was allowed to just play in the, in the game room, unsupervised. Yeah, but then they got him and he's with them because this is the the first time when, um, so Danny, the family has a nickname for Danny and it's Doc and Scatman calls Danny Doc and Wendy's like, oh, you just called him Doc. How did you know to call him Doc? And Scatman's like, oh, it's, it's because I heard you call him that. And she's like, I don't remember calling him Doc in front of you. Scatman's like, um, it's because, um, well, he looks like a Doc. Like, what's up, Doc? You know, he, he gets his way out of it and stuff, but you're kind of like, What's up with... Because as soon as you see the chef doc, unfortunately, what do you think, Ma? Because it's I, Stephen I King. I think that he's a bad guy. You're you're like, man... And it's not because he's a black guy. But I did wonder in the casting if that, if like that puts people like, ooh. But it was like very creepy anyway. Just that like, what's up with this guy? Because again... Okay... I have to I have to say it because it sets up the entire film. The beginning of this film is beautiful, majestic shots of the of what's his face in the beetle curling around the this mountain road and it's majestic and it's aerial shots. It's beautiful. And if you were watching this on mute, you would think, by golly, I could hear like that can't was it can't heat going up on the country. Go on. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and you're just thinking, man, this is just the air looks so clean and pure. But no, what is playing underneath this freaky music is the freakiest music ever. It's so freaky that it makes you look at these mountains and this road and you're terrified. And I I was it sets you up because now you are on edge. I was so on edge. I didn't trust anything. How you made beautiful, majestic mountains, horror, 
strictly, sheerly, by force of this soundtrack that I have been subjected to. So when Scatman comes up and he calls him Doc, and he they never heard Doc before, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is up to no good. And they amped up the eerie music, too. Uh, th- throughout it, I'm telling you, the music does such heavy lifting on this. And so... Uh, Telepathically, the uh, scat man asks Danny if he wants some ice cream. And Danny's just staring at him like, oh, my God. Uh, Get out I of just my heard head. Talking- <laughs> <laughs> I just heard you talking to me, but you weren't talking to me. So Scatman and Danny sit down for some ice cream. And Scatman starts explaining what the shining is. Wait, but, but hold on. I, pi- I don't... I have bad memory of myself at five, but I just picture myself at five. And if a man's voice was inside my head asking me if I wanted ice cream, no. (laughs) Do you want ice cream? No. (laughs) It was. I mean, we had already done Stranger Danger. I'm like, get out of my head. What the hell? No. I know enough to know at five that your voice should not be inside my head. Mm Mm-mm. Well, no. that's why Scatman is explaining it to him. Yeah, but he and, said yes, and I was in that moment. I was like, no, I would have been, yeah, well, I would have been crawling back inside you, Ma. <laughs> so, well, you practically did that anyway. <laughs> Just try. So Scatman is telling Danny, you know, other people have conversations that, without opening their mouths. I'll bet you didn't know other people do that. But, you know, I'm I'm one of those people. And so that's what the shining is. It's being able to um, communicate with each other without using words. Mm-hmm. It's basically like how some people are more in tuned and it's like this. Uh, what is like what is it like a paranormal kind of thing? And it yeah. it takes us manifest like some people can see dead people or something and like his thing is, oh, I can hear, we can tell it, like communicate telepathically. And then um, Scatman starts asking about Tony. And Danny says, Tony doesn't want me to tell you about Tony. He tells me not to, not to talk about him. And um, so he says, sometimes um, Tony says, uh, he, I go to sleep and he shows me things. And when I wake up, I don't remember him. And um, he, so he's in at one point, he goes into the lobby of the hotel and a gushing river of blood comes down the stairwell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that famous scene. Like, even if you haven't seen The Shining, you've seen this in montages of how movies are great. So um, Danny asks Scatman, is there something bad here? And Scatman says, well, there's good here and there's bad here. Things can leave a trace. And there, there, there's been, you know, a trace of good stuff and a trace of bad stuff. Yeah, he's basically like, look, if these walls could talk, some shit has gone down here. A lot of good shit, but a lot of really bad shit. And the bad shit tends to just leave more of a stain. Blood stain. So then Danny goes, well, what happened in room 237? And <gasps> Scatman is like scared. He goes, stay away from that room. Don't ever, whatever you do, do not go in that room. Yeah. And he's, he's like, well, you know, why? And he's like, well, there's nothing in it, first of all. 
Yeah. He There's actually go. nothing wrong. Nothing. No. Just There's, don't go in there. Yeah, but just Danny. Listen to what I'm saying. Promise me that you will never go in this room that I have told you that nothing's in. But I, still, I'm a black man and my face turned white when you said room 237. <laughs> Well, the next scene, they show Danny in his big wheel, and it seems like a blast to ride his big wheel all the way through this huge lodge. Which I I did, but I guess as just being an overweight, lazy little kid, I was like, man, that's a, he's not getting tired? My legs would get tired when I was on that big wheel. (laughs) But I guess Danny didn't have as much weight to carry around as I did. It also didn't have the the thump, the thump, because you would put on your brakes and just slide to a stop, and that would wear down your big wheel. Oh. Okay, so so he's riding all around, but it's always from, the camera is always at his back. Well, I'll I'll cut in and say this, that this is one of the first films to use the Steadicam. That's how we got these shots. Steadicam is now taken for granted. But anyone who you have your phone, you're trying to do a video and stuff and it's handheld. So when you move, the camera moves. So if you're walking, I call that herky jerky. Yeah, you have the handheld cameras. But in order to get the old time um, smooth shots, because usually with all films, unless it's handheld, which the camera's in your hand and you can feel it because it has this movement to it because the the hand that's holding the camera is connected to a body. Most shots are put on a tripod because they're steady, they're stable. And so your old movies, they would have what's called tracking shots because they would lay down a track and the camera mount and everything would be like, you know, imagine like a railroad car. And the camera's just on it, and that, and they would move back and forth on the tracks, and that's how you're able to move the cameras when people are walking and stuff side by side. In the old times, they physically had tracks you had to move, so you were limited in your movement because you could only move where the tracks could go. So with the Steadicam, when they invented that, it was able to isolate the movement so that the camera would remain still and that the movement from the camera operator would not affect any of the movement in the frame. It would stay. And that allowed the camera operator to move under over uneven terrain and to move in passages that were tight and stuff. And then they also used different lenses that would be able to get close to objects. So why was the camera angle always at his back? The camera angle was always at his back because that is the creepiest. Yeah, it is. Because you keep waiting for something like to jump Like, the camera out. angle is always at his back because Stanley Kubrick is one of the great filmmakers. That's why it's at his back. It's because it, it it's like, wow, all we are doing is following this little kid on a big wheel going through and also remember the sound because as the big wheel goes over the carpet the sound Mm -hmm. gets quiet and then when it's on the hardwood it gets loud and then it gets quiet again like we all remember from being kids and it's just at his back it's moving at the exact same pace as he is and it just creates a it's with the music sheer suspense and you have no idea why why you are just 
Like you right, just feel right. uncomfortable because you know some shit is gonna go down. And well, then when he mo- well then um, and then it's on his back, and so then when he stops, when Danny stops and turns around, and his face has this look of like sheer horror, sheer horror. You don't know what he's looking at. Yeah. And so then you're like, oh my god, what is he looking at? And then you it there's a reveal, and it's room two thirty seven. You're like, Kubrick! Okay, well, it's been a month, and Jack has not written anything. He's got lots of ideas, but none of them good. Now, did you notice that Mom had to cook dinner down in the kitchen, put it on a room service cart, and take it up to her husband in their little apartment? (sighs) Yeah, I was going to ask that. Because then later, though, they have dinner down in the kitchen. Well, well, the table. She, well, because yeah. I thought that too. I was. I said, she's got to make dinner all the way. If that was me, like we're strictly eating off a hot plate in yeah. the little living quarters. Yeah, I'm not going all the way. And did was she a chef? Like, did she was she did she consider herself a cook? No, she said she wouldn't know what to do with most of the equipment in there. Yeah, it's like wow. It just it was very far away, and then she had to cook it. Do that means she had to do all the dishes because nobody's. Jack's not going down to the kitchen to do the dishes. No, so she had to put cook it, put it all on there, roll it all the way up to the living quarters, and then hear the complaints because it's not hot food. (laughs) Am I right? Go warm this up for me. <laughs> it's not hot enough. Uh, well, it was obvious that this was Jack's idea. And she she has a really flighty personality and presence. It's like she's, it's like she's not a deep thinker. So it, when she called out Scatman for calling the little kid Doc, I thought, wow, she at least was paying attention because she just seemed like, oh, this is all great. Anyway, moving on. Well, she just seemed like the kind of woman who would say yes to going and spending five months isolated. I mean, she she married Jack. So this like like he was her best option. (laughs) Wow. True. Okay, so they've had gorgeous weather. And she takes um, Danny into, they have this huge maze. And the maze was built in 1907. And and they go into the maze and I think, oh, my God, they're never going to get out of that maze. Oh, me too. I thought, well, first of all, she was like running and chasing them. And I was like, why are you running? Like. I, I thought, wow, she is a good mom. Look at her playing. Look I know. And then she went, uh, we can't keep running. You, you got to slow down here. I don't think I've ever seen you run. Is this thing on? <laughs> Hello? No? So, <laughs> um, but then there's a really eerie scene because in the hotel lobby, there's a... Um, a model of the maze and Jack is looking down on it and it's like he sees them in the maze. That was a freaky scene. Yeah. Well, like there aren't any, all of it isn't freaky. Well, there's so much freakiness in it. There's so much symmetry in the way that the shots are set up. 
Um, and so it like creates that weird freakiness because then remember later also that one of the carpets that they have, it has a weird maze design on it too. Yeah. And you're just like, that looks really cool, but I'm really scared right now. Except I loved it when he was playing with his little, his big wheels on it. That would have been so much fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, okay. if it, if there was a road and we could get to and fro and people could come visit and help out and stuff and there was in this hotel wasn't built on an Indian burial land. Yeah, it would have been great. Okay, so it's Tuesday. They've had gorgeous weather, but they find out a huge snowstorm is coming in tomorrow. At least they have TVs. They're able to watch TV. Yeah, which I was like, oh, they they can't have anything, but they have TV. So, yeah, I was surprised they got a signal. I thought that they were just watching videos, but I know they were watching TV. Because it was the news yeah. was saying that this storm was coming. Okay, so then Jack is at his typewriter, and she comes in. Oh, and with Ma, we also miss like by this time Danny's already seen two little girls. Oh yeah, he and saw. That was one of the first super freaky scenes. Yeah, and again, it's when I realized the music in this because it's two girls. They look identical, but they're actually not. They're dressed in the exact same dress. All they do is just, they're in the doorway. They look at each other. They look back. And then they turn around and walk away. Yeah. And, and I'm then like, he looks back to, and they're gone. And this, this is why this movie is so long. But it's also why it's so creepy. It's because yeah. it's just the two girls in a dress looking at each other and walking out is not innately creepy. But what's creepy is how long the shot goes because you're like, all right, yeah. they're going to cut away. And it has it. And you're like, now I feel a lot more uncomfortable and I'm not even sure why. And then this music, Kubrick. Well, Jack is typing in the main lobby area on this huge table. And um, his wife comes in to say, hey, how's it going? I'm going to make you a couple sandwiches later. And she comes around the typewriter. He rips his page out of the typewriter. And so you can, he's starting to lose it because he starts yelling at her. If you hear typing going on, you do not enter this room. Well, it's like in the middle of the place to get from one side to the other. You kind of have to go through. the. Anyway, Man, he's just a dick. And he says, there's a new rule. If you hear typing, don't come in. If I'm not typing, don't come in. Just get the fuck out of here. Yeah, he's a dick. This is your first. Well, not your first. But this is one of many clues that you need to get out before this storm comes. Okay, that was Tuesday. Thursday, the snowstorm is there. Uh, Wendy and Danny are outside playing in the snow. And Jack is looking crazier and crazier. But it's weird because did you ever see this movie before? Yeah, but I don't remember it. Because I know Jack Nicholson. Like to me, the quintessential Jack Nicholson performance to me of when because I knew who he was and stuff. But when I was like, oh, he, I like him was when he was the Joker in Batman. Right, right. Like, that's how I knew him. And then from going to... Um, and I knew he was a big star and stuff. 
and um so he'd already done this movie and stuff and you know been the lakers and then like all his other subsequent movies so and then people doing their impressions of jack nicholson so now like me watching this movie it was weird because i was like i kind of feel like he wasn't that great in it but i don't know if he wasn't that great in it because i wasn't along for his whole trajectory and that me watching i'm like oh this is where people got like the caricature and the impressions of him and i'm i'm used to seeing all the impressions of him in the caricatures and so I didn't see this first and then the impressions. I saw the impressions and then this and I'm kind of like, oh, huh. No, even this much later, I'm going, wow, the way his personality and his smart assness, his sarcasm, um, especially later. Um, I, I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was good. Oh, OK, because I'm like, man, he's just... I guess I have to. I guess we have to see more Jack Nicholson movies because I'm just like, is Jack Nicholson just a dick? <laughs> and that's like his, his. Well, this character is. See, because so then I, I was like realizing in real life he pretty much is. Yeah, because I guess like he's kind of more like you know Batman. He was the Joker, so the Joker had to be like he was a lot like the Joker in this. Like I saw. But the Joker was funny. And then I was thinking, like, oh, well, you've seen, like, Something's Gotta Give and you've seen older. But I haven't seen, like, the young Jack Nicholson performances to see. This just falls in line with all of the things that I've seen him do. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of like, well, is this a good performance? Because this just seems like... Or is he just playing himself? Not even just playing himself, but just... I don't know it just it just seemed really like over the top and stuff and I I just wondered but then that all gets in a line you know how like Al Pacino yells now Mm -hmm. and everything but Mm -hmm. then when you go back and you see like the Godfather and oh like other Al Pacino movies you see oh there's that range I just right. haven't seen, right. and I have, I guess we'll, at some point we'll do Chinatown, because I would like to see that again, because I saw it a long, long time ago. And I want to do uh, Easy Rider sometime, too. Yeah, to just kind of see, like, oh, no, that's not, like, he has range. Yeah, because he not did kind of go from, I mean, you, you knew he was always off, but then he just went to crazy, like, there wasn't, there weren't steps to get to crazy. Yeah, but even when he was sitting in the very first, like, that scene where the guy's telling him um, about everything, when he's basically doing the job interview, he still had his eyebrows and, like, that that grin that he does that kind of yeah. reminds me of, uh, like, Tom Cruise when he does his, like, weird grin. Yeah. And has, like, that twinkle, a maniac twinkle. And I was like, I don't, like, this guy's a dick. I don't trust him. Well, yeah. What the hell? Well, then um, Wendy tries to use the phone. She's trying to use the switchboard, and the phone lines are down. But she does get through on the CB radio. I was surprised she knew how to use the CB radio. Um, well, and that was funny because... 
they're using the CB radio and they're talking. And after they say everything, they have to say out. So the other person knows when to talk. And then it was funny to me, having been a little kid, how much of that, like I picked up and knew I was like, oh, well, they have to say out. And then when the whole conversation's over, how you have to say over and out. And I think I know all of that, the CB radio stuff exclusively from watching A-Team. Probably. I think that's where I, I'm like, how do I know this stuff? I never had a CB radio. How do mm-hmm. I know about like over and like over and out and the proper comms to use, like comms protocol? Uh, okay, so um, she called the... Um, the ranger station is that where she, yes, that like was her own communication like the, yeah the nearest police station kind of thing and the guy goes you know i think it's a really good idea just to leave your this radio on all the time because you know you're not going to have any phone lines back until spring and we are your only communication something else that was really um okay the the shoes on making noise on the floor surfaces. Oh, I didn't notice that at all. I'll I'll tell you why I did. (laughs) Because you could always tell when I was teaching who was walking down the hall. Because if it was teachers, teachers usually wore soft sole shoes. Why? But if it was an administrator, you'd hear the clack, 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 clack. Because teachers are on their feet and working and administrators just sitting on their asses behind a desk so they can wear those cruel shoes. Until they hear themselves clacking down that hall to come and bust you for something. Oh. I'm not talking about you, Mr. Grady, I swear. But there are a lot of people I am talking about. Well, yeah, so, so he wore it, shoes. Did well, I always made sure that I, because I hated that noise. Oh. And so I didn't want my shoes to make the clacking noise as I'm walking down the hall. Yes, you did not like people making sounds when they walked. That was a big thing with you. Pick up your feet. You did not like to hear people walking. That's It's yeah, very shuffling. interesting. You know, like shuffling. You like clacking. Yeah, you like to be a quiet ninja assassin. And you're like, pick up your feet. Such a ninja assassin. (laughs) You're such a ninja assassin. Gotta gotta creep up on those people. Okay, so that that yeah resonated with me. Okay, so (laughs) that's funny. It would. (laughs) Who's making all this noise? Walking. Pick up your feet. (laughs) I, I wasn't that bad. Okay, so this time Danny's on his big wheel. He sees the girls. And they talk to him. <gasps> Hello, Danny. Come play with us. And then the next time he looks in the hallway, he sees them, their butchered bodies. Oh, this is all editing. Who, who is this? The editor. This is all Ray right here. Ray Lovejoy. And Tony, uh, and he says, Tony, I'm scared. This is when I said, is this kid totally fucked at this point? I mean, is he in an insane asylum? Can you imagine being this kid in this movie? Well, you're just thinking, I'm thinking he's a, he's got to be at least six years older than me. So he's like in his 40s now. And I'm like, hmm, I haven't like really seen him around, but 
I'm, this I'm like, he has Do to have know? been through stints you know, of like, rehab. Is he, is he the the guy on the street corner by Roscoe's? Uh, okay, <laughs> Monday. He's watching the movie 1942 on the TV. That's when I went, man, they got this kid watch anything. Oh, <laughs> well, you just said that she, wait, what's 1942? It's about, it's a, it's about um, a woman whose husband is off in the war and a teenage boy. It's a beach, uh, on a beach and she's in a cottage and he's smitten with her and they have an affair. I bet if you watched that movie now. You would be like, yeah, a three-year-old can watch it. Because, <laughs> like, what are they? It all it, it's all people like talking and stuff. Like, and well, it, like, what are they showing? Well, sex because, scenes. but nineteen eighty, like, oh my gosh, think about like how to get away with murder. What they're showing on there. Yeah. Okay, so he's playing with his toys, watching nineteen forty-two, and. He wants his fire engine that's up in the apartment. And Wendy's going, oh, daddy's asleep. No. And he goes, I won't make a sound, mommy. I promise I won't make a sound. Now, you know this isn't going to be good. Daddy has already broken his collarbone <laughs> once. I'll be like, well, how, how you feeling, Danny? Like, you like all your bones and stuff not being broken? You can't get to a doctor. You know, you know, the last time you mess with daddy's things... <laughs> That didn't go too well for you, kid. Yeah. So well, she, as as a ditzy mom she is, she relents and lets him go. Well, he is very quiet. And he does have soft sole shoes. He, he doesn't clack clack. Yeah, he he didn't come yeah. in there making a noise. He was just like stealth on a mission because he was like, I like my bones. So he goes in. And he sees Daddy. Daddy is supposed to be up there sleeping, sitting up, staring out the window. I would have turned around so fast. I would have gotten out of that room. I'm like, I don't, I don't care to know what's going on here. And then there's the shot of you see him sitting there, and then you see his reflection in the mirror as well. Lots so of mirrors in this film. Free. And then... Little Danny says, Daddy, can I get my fire engine? Sure, kid, but come here first. Oh, no. no Danny, don't go. No, I didn't, I didn't want to have a father-son moment with you right now. I just wanted my fire engine. So he goes and, and Jack puts him up on his on his knee and he's, he's telling him, I, I, you know Daddy would never hurt you. Daddy loves you more than anything in the world. And, um... Danny goes to dad, do you feel bad? And he goes, I just, I just can't sleep. I'm tired and I need to sleep. And then uh, Jack says, do you like this hotel? And Danny knows to lie because Danny is not comfortable in this hotel. And neither is Tony. <laughs> and um, But Danny's a good team player for this family. He is. And... Um, and then Jack goes, I want you to like it here. 
Um, I want us to be able to stay here forever and ever, and you won't get hurt. Whoa, 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 forever and ever? Because I thought, like, this place opened back up in May, and we were going to, like, kick it back in civilization. I, I, I think Star Wars is a thing going on right now, so I'd really like to get to see that. Well, and then... Um, Danny says something about um, you won't hurt me and mommy. And then then uh, Jack goes, I love you, Danny. What is your mother telling you things about me? What's going on? So that seed has been planted. Uh, he does wear a lot of weird sweaters. Danny? He's got this Apollo 11 sweater on that looks like his Aunt Alma knit it for him. I loved it because I just saw First Man. <gasps> and I have more on that later in trivia. But I noticed it was Apollo 11, and I was like, Neil Armstrong, Pesadrat, Michael Collins. He had other weird sweaters on, too. But the Apollo 11, I was like, ah. And it had the Apollo, and it had USA. I was yeah. like, man. We were, that, was, that was a good time to be an American. Well, he's playing with his trucks in a hallway, and a ball rolls up. And he looks around, and there is no one who could have rolled that ball to him. And he starts calling for his mom. And where is he? But right by what? Oh, man, I'm going to guess it's room 237. The door is open with the key in it. Nah, Danny. Did he listen to Scatman? Oh, Scatman told you not to. Oh. Well, we we see him go in. We don't know what happens after that. But... Wendy is in the basement checking the boilers. Okay, time out. Time the fuck out right now. Wendy is in the boilers doing the work. You knew it was going to be Wendy doing everything. The reason that they came here was because homeboy Jack is supposed to be the caretaker. And there's certain things. That's why they pay to have somebody living there because there's certain, like there's upkeep that needs to be done. The boilers need to be done. So they relieve pressure, all this stuff. There's work that has to be done. Who's, who's doing all the work? Who always does all the work? Wendy. I was like, Wendy, you got hoodwinked into this. Look at you in your overalls. (laughs) <laughs> in her weirdness, but she's she just you know she's she gonna just do goes it with because it. Jack's writing the novel, yeah, and so she's gonna take care of this because she's got this. At this point, I like to bring in. I like to know more about Shelley Duvall because she was in a lot of movies. Did I say the movies that she was in? Yeah, yeah. So I like. She has a look to her. Mm-hmm. And it's very specific. Also, very wide-eyed. She has very wide-eyed, but also the thing that struck me is that notice how well I can't I can't I just have to say it. Her teeth. Yes. You don't see that anymore. Everyone has perfect teeth, no matter what kind of character they are playing. Yeah. Only time it's weird if it's if it's not American. Like if it's British, sometimes yeah. you'll be in like, oh, that that's some real people teeth right there. 
Yeah. Well, you don't get real people teeth anymore when you're no. looking at TV. If somebody can be the most messed out junkie who was born in an alley and they will still have straight teeth. Capped teeth. Straight capped teeth. I paid a lot of money for them. Paid a lot of money for them. I'm just like, and man, she, Shelly Duvall. Yeah, she is not the... Um, She's not what you would call classically beautiful. No. But there is an attractiveness to her. I, I think the sweetness and the vulnerability and the um, kind nature, but she, I would call her a plain Jane. And, and re, um, you know... In this role, I mean, they don't do any extra makeup. They have her just tie her hair back. Her clothes are very baggy. She's supposed to be a very plain Jane person whose whole life is taking care of her family, doing whatever they need. It's believable because you're not looking at her thinking, wow, look at you. Because now if this movie's remade, it's someone who's going to be a lot more attractive like mm-hmm. it would probably put in a Rachel McAdams or something and she would be the wife. And I'm a big fan of Rachel McAdams, but you would be like, why, why'd you marry? Why'd you settle with this dick? Have yeah. you never looked in the mirror? Look yeah. at yourself. But with this, it's like, oh yeah, this is like, this is her life. It's more believable. Mm-hmm. So I like it, but then I don't want to, then I don't want to be like offensive and be like, I like it because she's unattractive, but I just felt like but it they, was more they purposely a, make her unattractive. Yeah. I mean, they could glam her up and she could be just gorgeous. Well, I saw but pictures purpose- of her like younger and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. They did this on purpose. All right. With like the, the weird half bangs and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They, she, they did her no favors. No, because she's not taking care of herself. She's not doing anything for herself. She's taking care of her husband and child. She's yeah. She's basically being a woman, yeah. and it's nice. That's nice because you're not looking at her going like, where does she find time to go to Pilates? Yeah, you're like right. she. It's very believable. I guess that's she what I'm saying. She had on Uggs before Uggs were Uggs. She did. Yeah, she did. Okay, so um. She hears this horrible groaning and she runs upstairs and Jack has fallen asleep at his typewriter and he he she goes to wake him up. He falls out of his chair and he is sobbing because he's had the worst, most terrible nightmare ever. He dreamed he killed her and Danny and um, and chopped them up into little pieces. And he says, I'm losing my mind. At which point Danny slowly walks in. Oh, and again, what? Where's the camera, Ma? The camera's on his back. It's, no, no, Wait, it, it is. was on his back, wasn't it? And then it comes around to see him sucking his thumb. Well, you see, you the camera comes in on it. It lingers. It's on his back, and you can see that his collar. Oh, and, and and the shoulder of his sweater yeah. are all messed is up. It's messed up. And so you know. And because the mom sees him, does the classic mom move of like, uh, you know, I'm dealing with this. Danny, just go up to your room. I'm going to deal with you later kind of thing. But not really looking at him. 
because again it's far away i mean the kubrick and how right he shoot, right you you know that it's just far away and danny just ignores her and continues walking and then when you see the reveal because the whole reveal is is done with with wendy coming around because she's just like oh he just he's not listening hold on and she runs around and she gets closer and sees danny then she is like oh like what the hell happened and he's just sucking he's not saying anything he's sucking his thumb his awesome sweater has been torn at the neck and he has marks on his neck yes and he's pretty much catatonic right he's walking and sucking his thumb but that's the only thing that's happening at which time i was like oh shit if that was my mom (laughs) like everyone if you aren't a member of the family is dead now She's going through and she's taking names. She's got, all she's got is bubble gum and kicking ass. And she's all out of bubble gum. (laughs) Well, she starts blaming Jack because there's nobody else in the place. And he has heard him before. Um, Well, so Jack, so she goes and tends to Danny. Well, Jack is pissed. And, and Danny, when she tends to Danny, she picks up Danny. Danny doesn't move. His legs stay straight. He's just sucking his thumb. He's he's catatonic. It's so freaky. Yeah. And Jack is cursing her. And so he goes walking and he goes into the golden ballroom. And he says, I'd do anything for a drink. And he walks up to the bar and there is Lloyd the bartender and there's all kinds of alcohol at the bar i was looking to see if they had hendrix and uh and jack says something about a white man's burden yeah ma what's the white man's burden i've heard that a lot i haven't in my life john travolta was in a movie called white man's burden look it up while i continue okay and um jack goes you know i i uh i don't have any money on me and and Lloyd the bartender goes oh your credit's fine here and so Jack takes his drink and he goes here's to five miserable months on the wagon things could be better and and Lloyd the bartender says women you can't live with them and you can't live without them so now you know Jack is just he's gonna kill Wendy he says he's not gonna hurt Danny but he's gonna kill Wendy Ooh, um, well, uh, and, and Jack even says, I love the little S son of a bitch, but that bitch. Okay. Well, that's also the scene where I did wonder, did, did Jack really hurt Danny? Because you know how it's like, oh, he drank too much and he grabbed him and it was his own strength. But as the scene's unfolding, we know that that Danny has Tony living in his mouth. We've just seen him be physically hurt. I did wonder, did Jack really hurt Danny or did Jack just get blamed for hurting Danny? Because Danny either did it to himself or had like some like sort of ghost or something that did it to him. Well, he does go on to say, I had a momentary loss of muscular Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, so he really did do it. Yeah, and he said, you know, it happened once. It happened one time. Okay, so, you know, 
my bad. But, you know, it's not like I'm going to, he goes on a rant about it. How, yeah, I hurt him one time. So what, you're going to blame me every time the kid gets hurt? Well, um. Well, I found white man's burden. Okay, what is it? Well, it's a, it came from a poem from Rudyard Kipling. Uh-huh. Did he do like the Jungle Book or something? Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's not great. It's the supposed duty of the white race to bring education and Western culture to the non-white inhabitants of their colonies. Oh. It's the, the burden of the white man is that we have to go around this whole earth and right. show people how to live because they Turn ain't doing away. it right. Huh. Wow. Okay. That's okay, a, that's the a whole thing You know, you don't have to do that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> That you whole, you made up the burden yourself. The whole thing with Scatman hasn't come up yet. Hmm. Yeah, that hasn't come up yet. Oh no. Okay. So um Wendy is running and she runs into Jack and says, um, there's a crazy woman. Danny said there's a crazy woman, and she tried to strangle him. Then we cut to Scatman in Miami Beach watching the TV. (laughs) And he sees that there's a lot of snow in Colorado. And you hear this heartbeat. Whenever we see Scatman, we hear this heartbeat. So creepy, man. And he has a scared face. And then he sees room 237. And he sees Danny and Jack in a room. Oh, no, no. Okay, so... He has a heartbeat. You hear the heartbeat. He has a scared face. He sees room 237 and he sees that Danny went in it. Yeah. Then we cut to Jack. Yeah. And Jack goes to room 237. And in room 237, there is a woman in the bathtub. And she's, she's young and she's gorgeous and she's naked and she's getting out so Slow. Like this whole thing is so slowly. And the music's going, right, Ma? Yeah. Oh, and you're like, this this is why this movie is so long, but would it be as creepy if they cut it? No. I don't think so. No, she had to this be that is slow. So creepy. And Jack is smiling because here's this naked woman and she's coming up to him. And she starts kissing him, and he's kissing her back. And then you see the camera from the back of the woman, but you notice there's something a little different. Oh. It turns out that she is an old, dead woman. Yeah, you're like, what is going on? And that's With exactly- her flesh peeling off oh. of her and. And laughing yeah. at Jack, because Jack's like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. was just making I mean, out with this hot woman. And now, oh, I, oh, I was yeah, making really, out with you. you. She smells like formaldehyde. You oh. know it. And so he runs out and he locks the door. But Danny, Danny visualized that, didn't he? I don't like Danny's ba- doing the convulsions and the shaking yeah. and being like weird and creepy. So I don't know what Danny's doing or what. All I know is that I'm creeped out. Yeah. Uh, so Scatman tries to call the hotel, and he finds out the lines are down. 
And so uh, Jack goes back to Wendy and she says, what did you find? What did you find? And he said, I didn't see one goddamn thing. She said, but there are bruises on his neck. And Jack goes, well, I think he did it to himself. There's no other explanation. Then Danny is starting to see red rum written on doors in red. Yes. And I knew about red. Like, this movie has, it's gone through so many things. Even if you haven't seen it before, you know certain things. Like, I knew about red rum. Yeah. But the first time you saw it, see, none of that had come out. So you're Mm -hmm. going, red rum? What What the heck? Um, And I wrote, get him out of (laughs) here. I don't care what you have to do. Like get because who it, get your the sun out of here? Yeah. Again, Danny sees that river of gushing blood coming down the stairs. Um, and so she says, "I got to take Danny. I got to get us out of here." And Jack goes, "Oh, this is so typical of you. It's all about you. Um, you want to ruin this good thing I've got going. I'm writing my novel, and because." Danny hurts himself one little time. You want to run. Uh, um, I'm not going to let you fuck this up. And I wrote, just go. Yeah, because he says, because you fucked up everything. And you're like, oh, man. This. Yeah. He's not even a good writer, Wendy. Come on. As we'll see in just a moment. <laughs> so Jack is throwing a fit in the kitchen because it's the best place, too, because everything is metal there. So every time something hits the floor, it makes a loud noise. And he hears music in the lobby. And he goes into the ballroom, and there are balloons and streamers everywhere. And it's like the 1920s. Well, then cut to Scatman, and he's calling the police or fire department or ranger department yeah, whatever the, it is the people who um wendy talked to earlier on the cb radio right he says i'm worried about this family and, and there's a kid up there so the guy goes well i'll talk to him on the radio and i'll get back to you so now we're back with jack in the 1920s ballroom lloyd is there and i wrote jack is so good at crazy because he's He's sitting at the bar and he is <laughs> ordering his drink and being that sarcastic wise ass that he is. Oh, he's a great sarcastic wise ass in this. Well, a waiter spills drinks on Jack. So he takes him to the men's room to clean him up. And the waiter is Delbert Grady. Delbert Grady is the one who chopped up his whole feet. No, Delbert Grady is ago. not. Charles Grady is the one who chopped up. His family. Oh, who's Delbert? A lot of conjecture about that on the internet. Oh, well, he, well, but then Jack is saying, weren't you the caretaker here once? I saw your picture. I saw you in in the pictures. And he said, but Delbert says he had a wife and two daughters and he chopped them up into little bits no he didn't say he chopped them up in the little bits he said that he had to get them under control yes he never yeah. says that he never says that he is the guy that chopped the guy up to bits he says that he's always he's like i don't know what you're talking about i've always been here and then doesn't he say like you've always been here see this is where yeah. it gets different from the book 
Yeah. Well, Jack said, oh, you're the guy who chopped your family up into little bits. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, I, no, I'm not. Uh, but he says, but your son is attempting to bring an outside party into this. Well, he doesn't say that way. He says that first. He says an outside party. Okay. And then he goes on with racist language. Yes, because there was a, oh, okay, Delbert. Yeah. This N-word cook. Yeah. And your son has a great talent, but he's going to use it against your will. He's a very willful boy. He's a naughty boy. And Jack goes, it's his ma. And Dilbert goes, well, they both need a good talking to. Uh, Then Dilbert says, one of my girls tried to burn down the overlook, and I had to correct uh, I had to correct them. I had to correct my family. Yeah, correct them. At this point, Wendy is finally trying to plan a way out. And uh, again, we see Red Rum. And Daddy is shouting. Danny's not here, Mr. Tormel. Oh, um, the mom is trying to talk to Danny. And Jack, uh, not Jack, Tony the kid, the person inside Danny is saying, Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance. Oh, man. At, th- at that moment, I would just have scooped the kid up, gone out to the garage. Danny can't wake up. Danny has gone away. So the radio is calling, and Jack hears it. So he goes, and he takes the radio apart. I like that, um, like the radio so big, because now radios are all small and stuff. It's all mm-hmm. digital, but it's like a big box and how he has to unscrew it. And then he has to manually take out these things to keep it from working. I'm like, oh, then Scatman calls back, finds out there's no answer. So next thing we see, Scatman's on an airplane. I got an issue with it. I understand that the whole point of this scene is to show that Scatman's on the airplane and so he's on his way. But Scatman's line of dialogue makes no sense to me because Scatman's in the plane. Again, what was it about the 70s and the 80s where everyone loved brown, orange, and burnt orange? Those were the colors. That loved it. Everybody's Harvest gold and avocado green, baby. They loved it. Also, all that leg room on that plane, I noticed. Yeah. And did, you, did you have, was there such a thing as a basic economy fare? No. I bet you just either had first class or you just, everyone else. But now yeah. they're nickel and diming you with the basic economy. You could take as many bags as you wanted with you. Yeah, I didn't pay for them. You got a hot meal. Yeah, no, not to, But anyway, the flight attendant comes down and Scatman goes, um, what time are we due to land? And I was like, Scatman, you bought your plane ticket. That's what I wanted to ask you. In the 1980s plane travel, you buy your ticket. It didn't have when you were expected to land. Like you would just be like, get to the get your plane leaves at this time. When it lands, we don't know. Well, he's flying from Miami, so weather can affect um, t- uh, arrival times. Like, it can put you back, or, you know, when you're flying uh, 
across the country, sometimes you get in like a half hour early. Yeah, but I, I guess I just know like a half hour yeah, early. Okay. It's, yeah, a, it's there a window. Was, I don't know why they even had to show Yeah, that. that's. I'm just like, why is he asking? You know, it said on your plane ticket. Like, unless if you, if it was a delay, because they were like, oh, flights are delayed. We don't know if we're going to be able to land. Then I guess I understand if you were sitting on the tarmac for hours. Maybe that's the case then. I don't know. But Scatman then calls a friend who has an auto business. Our second person of color. And he says when he lands, it's going to take him like five hours to drive up there. He's going to rent a car at the airport. But then when he gets up there, he's going to need a snowcat, which is um, a truck with like tank wheels so that um, he'll be able to go in the snow. Good for Scatman, because when I saw those visions, I would have said, I told your ass not to go in room 237. Yeah. Not leaving Florida in the winter. Yeah, exactly. It's your problem. Okay, so Danny and Wendy are watching cartoons, and Wendy says, Danny, I have to go talk to to Daddy, so stay here. Don't move from here. I'm going to lock you in. Danny's catatonic because Danny's not there. It's Tony. You're you're talking to Tony, Mrs. Torrance. (laughs) Well, Wendy goes and and she looks at the typewriter and Jack's not there. And in the typewriter, all it says is, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And then she looks at his manuscript, and that's all that's been typed on every page of this manuscript. Not only every page of the manuscript, but in every format available to the English written language. It looks like there were... uh, script format, in poem format, in prose format, in play format, in book format, in business writing format. And it wasn't cut and paste at that time. Okay, so um, she's looking at the entire manuscript and she hears, how do you like it? And um, so Jack comes upon her. And... Is this when she has the baseball bat? She does have the baseball bat Mm -hmm. with her. Uh, She says that she's uh, going to take Danny... Danny taken to the doctor. Yeah, she's going to take Danny to the doctor. And and he goes, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. Yeah, because they're walking up the steps. He's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. And she's swinging at the baseball bat to keep him away as, as she's backing up the stairs of like the, I don't know, the grand place and stuff. And he's like, baby, put the baseball bat. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. But as the scene progresses, he's like, I'm just going to bash your brains in. And then it's like, oh, what? And then doesn't she like hit him? Yeah, she manages to make contact. She manages to make contact and he falls down the stairs. And so then she drags him into the pantry closet and locks Which it. I was. I thought that was an excellent idea. Yeah. At first, I was like, "Oh, you're putting him in the freezer, nice that girl. Was, just I gonna kill him. Even better. Idea. Good. But no, yeah. she put him in the in the pantry, and then she's and then he he instantly switches it on because you know that he's an abusive son of a bitch because when he realizes his situation, he he changes it up, 
and he starts being nice and stuff to try to get out yeah he's like i need like trying to play on the sympathy like oh i need a doctor i'm hurt she was gonna open that door i did too but she's like no i'm not i'm i'm out peace out i'm going to take danny and then isn't that when he says well uh you're in for a shock there wendy yeah because um why don't you go why don't you go take a look at, at, at it why don't you go do that and and she does in the in the swirling blizzard she goes and sees that a big part of the snow cat has been ripped out right so he he took out the radio and he took out the snow cat okay this is why we had to know what time scatman was was landing 8:20 it was going to take him 5 hours to drive to get the snow cat because it tells us that the on the screen that it's now 4 p.m. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. So that's to build attention. the suspense that Scatman's coming. I guess so. I wasn't really paying attention to all that. I'm like, I'm not doing math for you, Kubrick. Well, uh, Jack is asleep in the storeroom floor, and he hears a knock on the door. And he thinks it's Wendy, but it's not. It's Grady. Dilbert again. Yeah. And Dilbert is is upset with Jack because he hasn't taken care of business. And he says, you haven't the belly for it. And Dilbert says, your wife is stronger than we imagined, and she's gotten the better of you. And um, Jack assures him that he will deal with her in the harshest possible way. And then you hear the door opening. It was locked. There was no way he was getting out of that storeroom door. Mm-hmm. And it got unlocked. Mm-hmm. And then you hear an engine. And it's Scatman. Scatman's yay. coming. Yeah, I wasn't yaying because I knew. I was like, Scatman. Well, Tony is awake because it's not Danny. And he picks up Wendy's lipstick and he goes and he writes on the door in the bedroom. How how could she sleep? I don't know how. I don't know sleep. how she could sleep either because she had the she took a knife from the kitchen. She was. It, she goes to sleep. She has the knife there. Danny or Tony picks up the knife, checks to see how sharp it is, and then yes. goes, gets the lipstick, then writes red rum on the door thing in her lipstick. Very slowly and very creepy. And all keeps just saying, red rum, red okay. rum, red rum. Wendy wakes up. And in the mirror, she can read red rum backwards, which spells. Well, she also sees, wait, she also see like wakes up and sees her son holding the big ass knife over her over. Well, he didn't he didn't he didn't have it over her. He was just holding it next to the bed and she wakes up. And yeah, in the mirror, she sees. Murder. Well, Jack has found an axe, and they ha- and he's coming through the door of their apartment. He's he's hacking down that door. So Wendy takes uh, Tony, and they lock they lock themselves in the bathroom. And there's a little tiny bathroom mirror, uh, uh-uh, window. Yeah, and she's able to get it open far enough, and there's um, a wind uh, a snow drift right by the window so she can slide Danny down the snowdrift and she's trying to get out but she can't 
the, the window do push won't ups. open enough. Gotta get that upper body strength on check. And um, he, while she's trying to do that, Jack is saying, you can run, but you can't hide. And then he tries, he does the little piggies. Little piggies, let me come in. Not by the hairs on my chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff and I'll puff. And he just is using the axe. And he cuts a hole in the door. And you've all seen the, here's Johnny. That that poster was in every boy's dorm room in college. <laughs> Everyone had that poster of the shiny with him peering through. Wow, because that was like. 18 years earlier. Yeah, but still, like, everywhere. Well, he is able to then reach through the door to to, to unlock the doorknob, but she slashes Hatch. him with a knife. I was so proud of her. Take that hand. At this point, Scatman arrives, and, you know, like, he can... He can see things, but he doesn't know to yeah, be careful. Yeah, I was like, why didn't Scatman talk to to tony at this point and be like this is scat man tony, tony where are you, you? Know, tony what's going like, on what's going where on because i'm in this i'm in this i want to know the lay of the land what situation am i about to walk into no nothing and for some reason danny runs back inside and hides in a kitchen cabinet uh, yeah it was cold outside oh, it was better cold. cold than dad with an axe well you know you will die out there in the elements, that is a thing. Hypothermia. Well, Jack's in the kitchen. Wendy can't open the bathroom door. Scatman comes in. He's yelling, hello, hello. <laughs> Jack has his axe in the lobby. He axes Scatman's chest. Uh, <laughs> Danny saw that, so he screamed. So, of course, Jack knew where he was. So now Danny's running again. Wendy is doing this weird tiptoe arms flailing run <laughs> you think it's like she, she doesn't have a muscle in her butt and she's being olive oil <laughs> she is olive oil she doesn't have a muscle in. she has no upper body strength if she just had a little with the adrenaline in her body like seriously she couldn't have like pushed herself through that window she's got no upper body she's got no muscles up there ma I don't know that her hips were going to go through that window. Oh, you would make them. Yeah, I would be bruised for days. <laughs> you but... would be bruised. Okay, for... well, you would have um... moved walls. You would have just taken bricks, like moved the whole wall out <laughs> with just your German, like weird German strength. <laughs> and be like, ah! Wendy's doing that olive oil running. She hears chanting. She sees men... Um, the doors are open, so we know Danny's run outside. Jack turns on all the lights outside. Danny runs into the maze. Now, this is something else. <laughs> now, Danny is running all the way through the maze, leaving tracks in the snow. Did he not think about this? Well, after because Jack is after him following his tracks, finally he realizes, oh, man, I am leaving tracks in the snow. So he backs up. And then covers up tracks so that he can hide. So I thought it was pretty smart. That was smart. It took him a long, a lot of running to figure that out. He's a little kid. You, like that's not something that you you realize when you're a little kid. Okay. Well, um, 
Wendy looks in the lobby and there are skeletons and cobwebs everywhere. We're back in the maze. Um, Wendy sees the river of blood this time. Yeah. Wendy goes outside with her flimsy arms <laughs> and she meets up with Danny. So they're running to the snow cat that Scatman came in. But oh. of course it won't start. <laughs> Finally it starts. Jack is in the maze. <coughs> he's freezing and he's crazy and he's groaning. Well, he jacked up his, when he fell down the steps, he messed up his leg, like his ankle or something. Yeah, he did. And he had a head wound. But yeah. That wasn't his biggest problem. So, um, Wendy and Danny are driving off in the snowcat. And then seeing next morning, you see Jack in the maze and he's frozen. Yeah. There's music. Then we look at the photos on the wall. Come to one, 1921. Jack is in the middle of the photo, July 4th, 1921. So he had been the caretaker there before. Well, there's a lot of conjecture out there. There's a whole documentary now that I want to see called Room 237, which is a documentary basically just about like, what the hell is this movie about? Yeah, because in the book, um, let's see, it's room two one seven in the book, yeah. but they changed it to two thirty seven because it was based off of a hotel, and Stanley Hotel, yeah, in the, Colorado, yeah, the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, and so the people were like, like "You, yeah, you can like use it, but please don't have." They change a the number to a number that of a room we don't have. Nobody's gonna want to rent rent room two one seven. Nobody's gonna red room. Yeah, room two one seven. It, actually, they say that that hotel is haunted. Well, probably it's probably built on an Indian burial ground. But probably so. Stephen King came up with this idea because all of his the previous books that like Carrie and something else they were all set in Maine, and he's like, I gotta get out of Maine. I got to do something different. So he put a map out and he put his finger down and it went to Colorado and he went up to this hotel, he and his wife, and it was the last night of their season. So they were the only guests there. Oh, wow. Cool. So when they went to dinner, they were all of the table, like the chairs were on top of the tables. It was just them. Somebody's married to Stephen King. Yeah, like Stephen King, I read his book on like writing and stuff. Like you think based on his books of like, oh man, he's like super weird. But like Stephen King, I like Stephen King. I know, but he has all those ideas in his head. Yeah, but they like they came to, they just come to, like how this came to him. So he had all of that and then he was, then he went down to the bar and he was the only one in the bar and he was served by the bartender and his name was Lloyd. Right. <laughs> I don't know. And then he was just thinking about like, cause he had had, I think he had had like a problem with alcohol as well. Ah. And like he was a writer and stuff. And so he just woke up and he, like the whole kind of story and idea came to him. And so in his book, the hotel is, 
it's haunted. Like it's a spirit. It's an entity. And so it's the hotel that is trying to get Danny, but it's it's unable to like infect Danny. And so it infects his dad. And it's like the the evil hotel. And so the at one point the hotel makes him like the hotel is actually like a like sort of like a demon in itself, like a character. And so then um when the hotel infects Danny or not Danny, but his dad, like the hotel makes him like bash his face in and stuff. So he's just basically like a monster. So he's then like the hotel monster. And so all of that was changed. So it was more of, cause you don't really even know, like we say that those are ghosts and stuff, but you never really, it makes it more of like, it's not a ghost story. It's more about madness. The movie is right. And the book is more of a ghost story, like a haunting kind of thing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, my question about Danny, and is he totally messed up today, is that Kubrick, he never saw any of the horror stuff. He didn't even know it was a horror film. Yeah, he thought it was just like a family drama film. And, and he made it into a game. And anytime there was any blood or any of that, he wasn't on set. Yeah, he was very. He didn't protective. know until he was in high school and he saw the film that it was a horror film. Mm-hmm. And he went to be a biology teacher at a community college in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Really, Elizabethtown. Mm-hmm. According um, to Wikipedia, so I don't know. And this was also there, but in in his. In his audition, he had his finger be Tony. That that was that was all on him. Oh, he came up with that. Yeah, man. In the audition, we might have missed out on one of the great acting talents. We might have. But he was smart. One on you. He looked around. He was like, "Nah, I'm good, guys. Yeah, peace yeah. out." So, oh, you know where the shining comes from? Where? So, in, remember in John Lennon's Instant Karma, we all shine on? Mm-hmm. That's where Stephen King got it from. Mm. hmm And while Jack Nicholson was filming this, he was living with Angelica Houston. And did you know they were married from 1973 to 1990? That long? I did not know they were... I knew that they were a couple, but I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. I was like, oh. And so Kubrick, the movie before this was Barry Lyndon. And I think that was with Ryan O'Neill. And that movie was not a big success. It was derided by critics because it was too long. Hmm. And this. Wow. So he Kubrick was like, man, I got to have a hit. I want to do I want to do something in the horror film. So he had his assistant get all of these horror movies or books and she would just hear him all day long. Thump, 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 because that was him reading, throwing the books on the wall because he hated them. And, ah. then one, and then one day she's like, man, I have it. Heard anything in there? Let me let me see what's going on. See if he's all right. She opens the door, and he's engrossed in The Shining. Oh, so he's like, I think this is it. And so it was. Jack was the first choice, 
But Robert De Niro and Robin Williams and Harrison Ford were also in consideration. I think Jack was the perfect choice. Yeah, he was. It had a lukewarm reception because it came out, I believe, Memorial Day 1980. Um, but now it's one of the greatest horror films ever made. Mm-hmm. And I re- think there's so much more research that I could have done on this. So this know, is very shoddy. But... It was shot in sequential order. And they built these huge sound stages in EMI Elstree Studios in Britain so that they could just move around from thing to thing. Because most of the times movies are not shot in sequential order. Right. You have a scene that everything takes, all the scenes that take place at this location are shot. And then all the scenes at another location are shot. Right. So he went, he did this in sequential. I wondered in the interview, the very beginning, if that had been done at the beginning or later in the film. Well, I think it was done at the beginning. He also oh. was notorious for, there would be so many rewrites. He was just kept rewriting it as he was going along. And it got to the point where Jack Nicholson didn't even they would come and give him the script and he didn't even memorize the lines because he's like, what's the point? They're just going to change it. Wow. And like Kubrick is known for being a perfectionist and doing take after take after take. I think that baseball scene with Shelley Duvall, I heard that, that, that there was 126 takes in that. Well, research I did said he was horrible to Shelley Duvall. Yeah. But, but on purpose to get the best out of her, and that Jack Nicholson wanted to, you know, like comfort her, but he didn't dare because he figured Kubrick knew what he was doing. But she said she understands that he got the best out of her, but she never wanted to go through that again. Yeah, like I'm not going to go through that again. All no. right. And I, I read that they, they fed Jack Nicholson cheese sandwiches and he hates cheese sandwiches just to like irritate him. <laughs> wow. Um, so the opening sequence, that's going to the Sun Road, and it's the Glacial Natural National Park in Montana. And then outtakes of that and some of the shots of that were used by Ridley Scott at the end of his film in 1982, Blade Runner. Huh. And, oh, this is interesting. So the international version of the film had different things that Wendy reads. You know when she reads All Work and No Play makes Jack a dull boy? Yeah. So in Germany, and he shot, Stanley Kubrick shot all these. These are the English translations of what it says. But in German, it's never put off till tomorrow what can be done today. Oh. And then the in it, the Italian one has, the morning has gold in its mouth. And the French one has... The more one here you go is worth two, you'll have it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and the Spanish one is no matter how early you get up, you can't make the sun rise any sooner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just written over and over again <laughs> in those different languages. Um, here's Johnny was an ad lib by Jack. <laughs> It was. And Kubrick was, because Kubrick was American, but he left uh, America because of his, the fear of crime in the 60s and went to go live in Britain. So he didn't really know, 
like the cultural significance of here's Johnny, and he almost didn't use the take, but he ended up wow. using it. Um, and every time Jack sees a ghost, there's always a mirror or a mirror-like surface. There's lots of mirrors in this. Mm-hmm. Red rum in the mirror is murder. So then there's... So there's also... Did you know about this? That there's rumors... There's a conspiracy theory with Stanley Kubrick. And the moon landing? Yes! Yeah. <laughs> I didn't that's know why, about that's that. That's why the Apollo sweater was torn up. I was like, oh, snap. There are some people in your extended family who still believe that. I, look, I again, I saw First Man. I recommend seeing that movie. Um... Just based on they didn't they didn't have the 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 film technology <laughs> to recreate landing on the moon, like the actual technology that would have had to happen of being able to show it and like record it and stuff that that didn't exist. I'm just saying. There are people who still believe But that. I understand it because you watch this movie and you see how it's... I was like, my God, how did they get... Like, how did they know? How did... Because they, they send the rocket up into space, it comes out, and then they dock. And I'm just... I can see how it's a conspiracy theory because it is like, wait, how did you guys even plan for this? How did you do this? This is crazy. You guys are crazy to do this. And it's yeah, so rickety. Were... Everything was so rickety. And you're just like, yeah, no problem. I'm just going to sit on top of a giant, uh, you know, rocket. And shoot myself up there. Do we even? Like, oh, man, that's That's crazy. why that first step was so scary. They had no idea what he was stepping into. He could have just stepped into. It could have just sunk. Right. <laughs> like, just, there was no knowing. There was no, none. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to land. On what? You don't even know what the, and like their suits. Like, okay, we have these suits. How do you know? <laughs> right. I'm just like, what the hell? And then the fact that then they were able to, to launch back up and come back. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you. I'll tell you right now, I cried more in the first 15 minutes of First Man than the entire um, A Star is Born. Okay, well, I'll have to see it. I was just a mess. There's a a whole storyline that reduced me to ashes. I was a puddle. Okay, but back to... The Shining. Yes. <laughs> now, I heard that Jack Nicholson had been a volunteer fireman. Oh, so yes. So he was really good with the axe. And he was coming through the doors way too fast. <laughs> so they had to build stronger doors. <laughs> He's like, I'm a professional. I know how to get through these doors. That's right. 
Yeah, I don't have any more. I mean, there's a ton more there's stuff so out there. There's so much more, yeah. And there, um, I, there's the documentary room 237, but there are other things, too. Uh, um, so it was a very, uh, it was, it was creepy. I liked it, though. It it was a good movie. I would like, I really liked it because like, it's not gory. It's all psychological. And the way that the shots are framed, it's very symmetrical. And you're just looking at it and it's, and you know, well, it's Stanley Kubrick. It's The Shining. This guy is a master director. Let me see one of his most famous works. I'm in good hands. And yeah, I'm like, I, I get it. The per- some of the performances, you're like, that's a little weird, but it's just all so weird and conveying, and it's, it's, oh, I recommend it, people. It's on Netflix right it's now. It's on Netflix. You can watch it, and the one we're going to do next week is also on Netflix. Really? It is. Well, it's your pick. It is my pick. Um, The year, maybe... I didn't do research, but it might be 2002. What? 2002? Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty uh, recent for us. Pretty recent for us. I went with it because it is on Netflix. It's it's easy to access. But because I really, really, really like this movie in 2002. In 2002... It's on Netflix. It's still it in October. It was being filmed in 2002. It might not have been released till 2003. Might not have been released until 2003. You really, really like this movie. I want one more hint. Any hint I give you is going to give it away. Ah, fine. 2000. So it's, it's kind of a psychological thriller. In 2002, 2003... The title has three words. The first one is the. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go what lies beneath, but that was before. This is one that you came upon as they were filming it. Oh, I know what it is, but that it came out. This is like this is 1999. The Sixth Sense. Yeah, that's 1999. Oh, that's right. I was, I was, I was. That's right. I apologized. I was thinking of your freshman year in college. That was my freshman year. Yeah, college. I know, but I was thinking the wrong direction. <laughs> You're making was, me younger. I was doing her Marry graduating me. from college <laughs> instead of graduating from high school. Yes, we're doing the Sixth Sense. Oh, that one's a was that M Night Shyamalan's too. first. It wasn't his first movie. It was his second movie, but it was his first. Um, like it was, yeah, it was the movie I that put him on his, the map. I think it's his. Be- it, to me, it's his best movie. Well, it's his best because we all. It was the first. Like everything after that was always like, oh, what's the ending going to be? Yeah, what's the surprise? Yeah. Yeah, is that okay? It is. Okay, listeners, next week, I mean, you have taken us out of our comfort zone. Rosemary's Baby and The Shining. 
the sixth sense, which you've all seen. So you'll get to listen to our take on it. Is it? Are we going to do another one? Or is this the last one of the scary Oh, movies? wait. This is the last week. Or are we right? going to go? Because Halloween falls like on a Thursday, a Wednesday or a Thursday. So we could still do another one. Oh, well, it's your choice. Well, I, th- I think maybe Halloween we'll- is Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, well, it's my choice. So I might. Hmm. We'll see. All righty. Thank you, listeners. Hey, thank you. Bye bye.